Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Jay Cheney and Pav Wander, also known as Jim Guy and Wander Woman. Welcome to the staff room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are pertinent and relevant to our day-to-day teaching experience. The Staff Room Podcast episodes are hosted by Voice Ed Radio weekly on Tuesday mornings and on Fridays. At 9 a.m. Eastern, we host The Drive, an educational morning radio show filled with great chatter and amazing music. Check out the staff room on the School Rubric website, where our origin story and weekly articles are posted, and our podcast can also be heard. We are also on the On Podcast Media Network and are connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies team. You can find us all on Twitter. Check out our link tree on our Twitter handle, at Staff Podcast, for more information about us. So let's dive right in. We are at episode 40. Wow, I cannot believe that we have already hit 40 full-length episodes of the Staff Room Podcast. This is Incredible. Today, I thought that we thought that it would be a really great idea for us to spend a little bit of time now that we are approaching the end of our school year. Uh, che and I go a little bit later. We go, we teach right till the end of June here in Ontario. And so now that we're approaching our final week of the school year, we thought that this would be a great time for us to reflect on this very unique and interesting school year that we've had this year and uh, review some of the things that we've learned, uh, some of the things that we've come across, some of the things that we hope to implement in the future, and some just general ideas of, uh, of what we've come across and what we want to know more about and what we'd like to think about in our summer months as we sort of start to wind down and think about building for the next school year. Before we do that, though, It would be a great idea for us to introduce ourselves. This is the Staff Room Podcast, and you are listening to Pav, the Wander Woman Wander, sometimes known as Gentle Summer Rain, but we'll save that for the drive. Um, And I'm here with my co-host, Che, and he usually introduces himself. And I did it my way. Hey, Frank, how are you? I'm not bad. (laughs) <laughs> start, start spreading the news. But the Staff Room Podcast is in the house. I love that one. I love me some Sinatra. So that was, I knew that one right away, which is rare for me with pop culture. I guess, I don't know. Does Frank Sinatra count as pop culture? Not anymore. No, it's a classic now. Classic. Yeah. 
<laughs> as my daughter say, why are you always listening to classical music? Classical, classical music. Chewy Lewis. <laughs> it's only classical to you. <laughs> and it is the Staff Room Podcast with Che, Hurricane, Cheney, and Pav, Wonder Woman, Wonder. And we are ready to reflect because in Ontario, the year is just about over. We are in... The last euphoric days, we've just finished report cards, just finished IEPs, just finished transitions, just resubmitted our, our report cards with endless, <laughs> uh, endless, endless, endless edits. Um, they were not good enough the first yeah. time we resubmitted. <laughs> Is it, are, you, are you serious? Are you serious? We need to change this, 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 this. And you know what? It's first draft. Like, you know what? Get someone to edit this for you. No, you can edit this for me. How's that? Um because you know what, you're not not to. This episode's not about report cards, but why would I get my peer to review something that's going to give me their personal opinion on whether they like something when ultimately it's just my administration's opinion on whether they like the way I've written something? I don't need a third person party in that equation. Maybe to find a period missing here or there or spacing. Uh, but as I've discovered this week, no, you no longer need two spaces after a period in the World Wide Web of computer. I feel like this is something that people are just learning. I I watched a movie about three or four years ago where I learned that you don't need to put two spaces after a period anymore when you type. And and this is something that's been ingrained in me since grade seven computers where I was learning how to type on my Commodore 64 in room 103. We just lost half our audience when you said <laughs> Commodore 64. You're like, what, Nintendo? Nintendo. Um, and yes, so, and then we have our remote graduation for next week. And actually, if you're listening on the Friday evening to release, we also have our webinar with School Rubric tomorrow on, you know, rediscovering your voice and amplifying your teaching through podcasting. So we've been really busy this week, but also really excited towards the end of the year because it's time to reflect. And we got our summer goals, our summer plans, do some more readings. We've got lots of books to check in. Um... Lots of great books to check in and lots of great books to also just dive in that we sort of have come across in all our Twitter chats, etc. And so this episode is just, it's its a review in the sense that we just want to relax. We just want to reflect. This has been a year of historically epic proportions on a personal level and also on an educational level. Because, you know, a year ago, we didn't exactly have a podcast or a radio show nor were we doing webinars, nor did anyone know who we were. We were just, I'm just waiting for the pushback, two teachers. I was waiting for you to say <laughs> teachers before we were, I said we just. Were, you, you know what? I, I say just because ultimately, um, as we've described it, the teachers become like the middle child in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Their voice, although being a massive part of the, of the equation, is often the last looked for and not even purposefully it's very tough to accumulate and gather teacher input teacher data because ultimately in schools ultimately it's two or three teachers with the loudest voice or the greatest insights or the greatest connections to our men that dictate decisions and so the teacher voice does sort of get lost and it was one of the inspirations of our podcast was to enhance our teacher voice and have a place and, and um when we reflect on our, our this year journey we didn't have a podcast a year ago we weren't even probably if i go back specifically here we weren't even thinking we had a podcast this was just like a maybe idea we were still relishing in the achievements of our students podcast we hadn't even thought that maybe we should do something and then expand from there school closures remote learning uh the refocus the reawakening of anti-racist education comes to a, a year of unbelievable reflection a summer of um real intentional 
refocus on what you want to do for September. And of course, if you're an Ontario teacher, I mean, lots of boards, I guess, are figuring out. We're probably 30 minutes away from finding out what Ontario is going to do for next year. So, you know what, we could have waited. But the premise of this podcast has always been what we're thinking right here, right now. So I said, no, no, I'm not waiting to find out. This is what we're feeling right now. We'll find out in about an hour what's going to happen next year. And then we'll have a week to think on it. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. You know, we, we, the conversation we had about 15 minutes ago was, should we wait? There's an announcement at one o'clock. Should we wait till one thirty to know what the announcement is? No, let's start having this conversation before the announcement comes out about what September is going to look like so that we can then process what this is going to look like and bring that back to you as a reflection. And, and after that, we'll have some, we, we will have had some time to think about where we need to go, what we need to do, what's going to happen for next year, what it's going to look like. And, uh, and, and, what are the ramifications? Because we don't know what's going to happen as a consequence of this announcement in the next, I guess, five minutes or so that's going to be starting up here. Yeah, I don't do a lot of thinking, eh? No, you don't. I, I react a lot. So this past year, um, there definitely has been something that has happened. I, I don't know if the planets have aligned or misaligned or something, but this has been a very, very impactful year. And I don't say that in a good way or a bad way. I just say that in the sense that this was a very, very eventful year. And I think that because of this eventful year, a lot of learning has come from it. I know personally, um, and I can likely speak for Che as well, uh, we have done a monumental amount of growing in this past year. The podcast itself has been huge for us because our eyes have been opened up to an entire world that we didn't know existed before, um, people that we didn't know existed before, and people that have changed our lives in the past year. Um, we started our, our first podcast, went out the day before school started, back in August, before uh, school began. I believe it was September 3rd, and I think it was August 31st or something that our, uh, that our first podcast episode, our origin story went out to the world. And we have just gone from not knowing, I know that when Chase says we are just two teachers, we were just two teachers. We didn't know anything about Twitter, edgy Twitter. We didn't know anything about the amazing people that we have met. We didn't know anything about, you know, how to really exponentially grow as educators in a way that we didn't even know was available to us. And our minds have been blown and we feel like we are on a different level in terms of our professional growth. And this has been incredible. Uh, we are thankful for that part alone. Um, not to say that, you know, COVID-19 and uh, the murder of George Floyd haven't been beneficial to us. They, those two events have been tragic in many ways, but in many ways have opened our eyes. And um, I think that the two of us and also everybody else that is involved in our professional learning community has really begun to appreciate the fact that these two events have given us the opportunity to grow. And I think that when we are in our deepest moments in our lives, the darkest points of our lives, sometimes when we go back and we reflect, we are thankful for those moments just because we were able to become something brand new, something um, better, 
something better for ourselves and something better for the students that we teach. And this has been monumental for us. And so not to say that we are thankful that those events happen because we are not, they are tragic, tragic events, but because of it, I think that many educators, especially those that are looking to grow as educators and uh, make impacts for our students, have been able to take away from those events and been able to implement those changes in our classrooms and have seen growth in ourselves and our students. So many good things there, Pav. We always make an impact. We don't get to choose when you make an impact. That, that you could make an argument. That's, uh, that's privilege if you think you choose when you make an impact. We are always impact, mm-hmm. impacting, and we're always being impacted. And so that's certainly one thing I um, want to be aware of. It's certainly one thing I took out from you when you talk about impact is that we are always being impacted by everything around us, whether it's positive or negative. We don't get to choose how we're impacted. And then and when you bring that back to yourself, you don't choose how you impact people. Uh, you're always impacting people. And that's one thing that's sort of um, been brought to light, reawakened when you sort of think about this in refocus, reawakening. I don't know necessarily the right word for this new anti-race, not new, certainly not new, this um, awakening to anti-racist education, inclusiveness, equity, is that when you compartmentalize it and just say, I'm, g- I'm going to have my anti-racist or my inclusive unit now, we start to realize that, no, 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 this, we impact on, on anti-racist education and inclusivity all the time in how we talk and how uh, our room is designed in terms of the materials we use, in terms of the textbooks we use. And that's part of the, when you said impact, it sort of started to dawn on all these things. But... Let's get back to specifics. We have really grown in a variety of ways this year. And the podcasting, we can venture to that some other day, but let's talk about teaching practice because ultimately when we say we're just two teachers, the value we feel with this podcast is that it's two teachers. Mm -hmm. It's no longer just two teachers. It's two teachers reflecting on what's working in their class, what we're doing in our class. And that has real value because the middle child, the lost voice, the, the is that teacher that doesn't necessarily have a venue and a uh, yellow brick road to successes or glory. It's just the grind. Most teachers are sort of behind the scenes, the unheard voice. And how has our teaching grown? You know, let's. I got Google Classroom. It sounds very simplistic, and there's so many new resources, etc. But I'd actually drifted away from Google Classroom. Because our school was just so, um, and not maliciously and not someone's fault, but we weren't embedded with technology and we didn't have massive access to technology. And what happens when you don't have access to technology is you start to drift away from those platforms to facilitate your rich, meaningful learning because you can't rely on them. And I've become now more reliant on it on a good way. I've learned to maximize Google Classroom, which has expanded to a couple of other ideas of of communication with parents because it's facilitated much easier through Google Classroom where I used to have text messages here or there and calls here or there but the communication with parents is also another one where it's just so much improvement so much reflection that this is a practice I definitely want to maintain same way with the the Google Classroom this is a practice I want to maintain and this I'll come back to this later because now I got some fears now that we get on a certain pathway and we see certain successes 
Um, we'll talk about this in a moment. Um, I've also been really pleased. You can jump in whenever. I'm just going off my little list here of things yeah, keep that going. I've really keep been going. pleased with. Remote gym. Mm-hmm. When we started remote, I was like, oh, we're going to do gym, eh? Like, what are we supposed to do? And then we branched off and we made a Google Classroom. And I and then I did it with my class to get comfortable with it, teaching live fitness workouts combined with a, a social emotional unit right after. We always have a sit and a chat down and a talk and a check-in. And then we expanded that to a full middle school uh, gym class. And then we were getting huge numbers, 31, 32, 33 kids, uh, which was just a fantastic turnout. So I've been really pleased with my reflection that I can do gym remotely. I can do gym with sort of that tech component. And then it really focused um, my teaching of gym to connect to the social emotional because after we did the workout in gym class with the bell, all of a sudden now I'm not constrained by a schedule. Uh, you know, we do the remote gym class at 11, but now my kids aren't rushing anywhere when the, when the workouts are, we do the workout. We do the stretch and then like, all right, let's gather, let's meet, let's have a talk. And you know what happens? Nobody goes anywhere. Every kid stays there. Every kid stays and we have a chat and we have a check-in and we talk about the social emotional benefits of working out beyond just the physical workout. And then I say, you know what, class is over. You can go or you can stay. And there'll be 10 kids that say that just ask a few questions. And I go back to my classroom gym. It's like, in gym class, man, it's five minutes for the bell. Oh, stop what we're doing. Stop what we're doing. Go get changed because your next teacher is going to give you grief if you're late. And I, well, I'll, I'll write you a note saying it's okay. But we know we don't want this tension every single day. So go, 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 go. And now all of a sudden I can debrief after gym. I can make the real connections to the physical activity. So even that's been when we started remote learning, like I can't do gym. What do you mean, gym? I can't do a tournament. What am I supposed to do? And all of a sudden, I've realized that I have better components to my gym class. I can do a workout now, and now we can sit and we can debrief, and my kids aren't rushing anywhere. We can talk about the social, emotional impacts of having a workout. I can keep going, Pat, but you're looking at me you like you're what? doing an interlude and you, you just jump right in. I, my mouth has been open sitting at this pop filter for a while with my arms up going, okay, stop talking so I can jump tag in. Tag in, tag in, I'm tag in. Remember, this is supposed to be this, a 20 minute episode. Yes, that's right. Yeah. What I should do is just tap you on the shoulder when I'm ready to come in. Um, but yes, the the school day has definitely changed. I mean, I filled up like an entire page of notes while you were talking about things that I want to tap into as well. Our school day has changed. We are not in um, a, a routine where we're going from class to class to class to class. We set up as a team our school day or our school week, I should say, at the beginning of remote learning where we talked about, you know, this is what we're hearing from our students. There's too much stuff being, you know, sent out by each teacher. So let's each take a day. Because of that, I think that we we were able to effectively lighten the load for our students, but also give our students an opportunity to reflect on their own teaching. So when or their own learning, I should say. Whenever we have a meet, so when I meet with my grade seven students, the first question I ask is, is everything okay with all of the learning that you're doing in your classes? Um, and and this, this period of reflection about things that are going on with all of the other classes, so things that I may not even be privy to, um, students are able to let me know that, okay, I feel a little bit stressed about this thing that's going on and I help them out where I can and give them some insights and, you know, things that I can offer them as well. But 
you're absolutely right. When we have the uh, availability of time, we can actually focus in a little bit more on what we are offering our students without the constraints of, you know, the bell. So having a math lesson or having a phys ed lesson or having a science lesson, we, we can actually go a little bit further into, these are the things that you can focus a little bit more on. These are the things that you can work more at, but also let's have that SEL portion. And let's just, let's just talk a little bit. This last meeting that I had with my students, we actually sat and we talked about how are you filling your time? What are you doing for fun when you were not in uh, school, when you are not doing schoolwork, what else are you doing? We know that parks are closed. So students still are not really able to go to the playground to go play. Um, they can go for walks though. Now that the weather is a little bit better, um, you know, there's still lots of content on, on TV and stuff like that, that students are tapping into or spending a lot more time with their families. So I'm interested and they are interested in talking about what they are doing. So that's definitely something that's, that's been very beneficial and something that we'd like to be able to implement a little bit more, a little bit of, you know, talk with your class. That's not geared towards any specific thing. It's just talk. Let's just talk. This is part of culture building in your classroom. If you are a family, while you're sitting at the dinner table, you should be able to have conversation with your family. And so having that availability with your students, this is something that we have sort of worked towards being able to do. But I think that it's brought us back to that in-classroom setting where we were able to sometimes go off on a tangent and talk about things that were not necessarily related to the lesson itself, but you know, things that we just wanted to get off of our chest. So that's been very important. Teaching is, is dynamic. Changes happen on a dime. Things change on a dime. And we are often expected, um, not only by other people, but ourselves to be able to flip things and turn things and accommodate the needs of our students right away. And, and I think that this past year has really shown us what our strengths are in that regard and maybe where we feel like we personally need to work a little bit harder. I know where, where I need to work a little bit harder. I know what resources I need to be able to build a little bit more in myself and what I need to be able to provide my students a little bit more of. I know that time management is a huge factor for myself. And so being able to manage my time a little bit better is going to be beneficial if we are looking at a remote learning experience going forward. And so I know that there are things that I need to be able to do to make my online learning experience even more, um, even more influential or even more impactful than it was in this past three months. And so regardless of what this announcement is going to be in the next few minutes, I know what, if we were going back to an online learning platform, I know what changes I would want to be able to make in order to make my classroom all that more effective. And this is something that I've really been thinking a lot about in the past couple of days. That debrief, that check-in, that not racing to the bell, which, you know, structure has benefits, but now that we've sort of navigated through this remote remote learning, we've realized that there are opportunities in not having a rigid schedule. Kids not needing to rush to their next class in that middle school uh, format. It feels, I, I love doing the workouts with my class, and then, but I love that the 10, 15 minutes we have communicating and talking in the SEL conversation afterwards, where I know all of a sudden in my gym classes before, 
you know, 40 minute gym period with middle school killers, m- middle school kids. Killers. Killers. They're killers <laughs> when they play dodgeball, eh? They are. Um, but like you like to, oh, you could just do it in your gym class. Well, you could, but then all of a sudden you're doing like a 15 minute physical education class. By the time they come down to the gym, get changed, get out, do warm up and, and teach a skill and teach do the do some practice time. There, there's not that time for an SEL. There's not. You are racing to chase that bell, and so the, a subject like gym, which is sort of like a, a microcosm, is a subject where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. How am I going to do it? Devise a plan, practice it, execute it, and then start to see the, the laws of unintended consequences. In the sense that I didn't anticipate that I would teach gym remotely, and then spend this time doing these SLL SEL conversations, and then realize how impactful they were and how they connected they were. And now I'm thinking. Wait, 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 wait. If I go back, if I go back to school, what am I gonna do? Because now yeah. it's just gonna be gym again. That's just, right. Just, just. Let's get two or three light minutes, and then it sort of it dials us back into now that we've made all these progresses and all these gains in remote learning. What happens when we dive back into our class? Are there some gains where we're just fearful we're not gonna be able to maintain? And and this reflection episode is when we pivot on a dime and then we learn and we get somewhere and we have progress. And then all of a sudden now there's this fear that we're going to pivot back on a dime. How are we going to maintain some of the gains we've we've established? You're absolutely right. We have made progress. We have learned. We have grown. We have made changes in our teaching that have been benefiting our students. And so do we necessarily want to go back to a to a system and a program that wasn't meeting the needs of all of our students the way that it might be now. So these are definitely conversations that we will come back to. It's a great idea to jump to our three enlightened minutes at this point in our episode. Today we have Jamie Brown, who is a vice principal at a high school in the Jersey Shore. And he's really big on social emotional learning to tie it back to what you were just talking about, Che. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit more about school culture revitalization and whole child development within the school. So here is Jamie Brown with his three enlightened minutes. Hi, my name is Jamie Brown, and these are my three enlightened minutes. I am the vice principal of Homedale High School in New Jersey, Monmouth County, the Jersey Shore, former district-wide peer leadership coordinator of the Oldbridge Township Public School Systems. I come from a state and national high school and district of character. My expertise, my passion is in school culture revitalization. It had me start a brand, Accept You, that is a social and emotional learning and character ed curriculum that's designed to promote whole child development and future readiness. Uh, The cause for me when I talk about promoting social inclusion and school culture revitalization is so important to me because I've seen the impact it can have on a diverse school institution when not only the students embrace inclusion, but the staff embraces it and then the community. And you see this three-prong attack, if you will, in terms of working together, collaborating, and this buy-in by all stakeholders and what it can bring in terms of positivity. And you'll see a change in the things we struggle with in schools, chronic absenteeism, discipline, um, grades going up and just service learning and volunteerism becoming a staple and a universal language in all of your schools, especially if you take it district wide. The inspiration has come from me, you know, in terms of the results that I saw through my district peer leadership program, 
taking a program that was only a senior high school program, which most high schools, if they even have peer leadership, stands as. I brought it to a ninth grade building. I brought it to a middle school built level building and I brought it to an elementary level building. And we went from the bottom up where the cycle starts over again when you became a senior. And based on community partnerships, I saw how important it is to revitalize a school culture on a yearly basis and seeing the students take ownership and seeing the staff take ownership of their school and the pride created a vision that the community believed in and promoted. And where I see that going in the future is I think it's just going to be part of everybody's curriculum. Everyone's talking about social and emotional learning, character ed, whole child, future readiness. It's imperative that we bring this type of professional learning into schools. We make it you know, common language and we teach students about citizenship on and offline. That's my next steps. I would love to reach out and be a part and collaborate with schools, not only in New Jersey, but across the globe. So hit me up at VP underscore J Brown, acceptuniversity.com. Now back to you, Chain Pav. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. Jamie, that was a perfect three enlightened minutes. And Pav, don't tell me if that was an imperfect rendition of it Frank was, Sinatra. It was amazing. I was singing along. You didn't hear me? That's $20 that I slipped you right beforehand. Now, for all our American <laughs> listeners, $20 Canadian is worth about... $3 Canadian. I did the math. Oh, did you? $20 Canadian is worth what oh, American? Three, oh, $20 American is worth $3,000. No, 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 3, no, 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 you're not listening to me. I was oh. singing Frank Sinatra. You're just an out in the stars now. If I had $20 <laughs> Canadian and I went down to the States, I would have 75 cents American. Yes, you're correct. That's right. Yeah. If you had $20 American, you're buying a house here in that, Canada. That's right. That's what I bought my house with. It's $20 American. <laughs> uh, that's $450,000 Canadian. <laughs> or if you got a $20 bill American, uh, I'll take that cash. <laughs> Cash deal for the house, $20 American. Great three enlightened minutes, Jamie. You are such an advocate of, of SEL. And if you haven't checked him out, you can check him out. Check him out his YouTube videos. Post great little insights on uh, that social emotional component and just a great follow on Twitter and a great connection we've made in the Twitterverse and the podcasting verse. And I believe he also, I don't believe, I know, he contributes a lot to Teachers on Fire, Tim McCavey's uh, Medium magazine that he produces. Yeah, it was a fantastic uh, three enlightened minutes. And thank you, Jamie, for for contributing to that for us. It was very enlightening. Um, I think we're going to bring it back to our conversation that we were having on reflections just prior to those three enlightened minutes. And we were talking about, you know, how sort of we we have uh, changed the way that we practice our our teaching in our classroom and in the past couple of months and what things are going to look like going forward. We, we mentioned that this has been a very monumental year and not just for myself and Che, this has been a monumental year for everyone within education. Um, and I think that we have all as educators grown incredibly and we've learned, we've been forced to learn so many new things about how to operate as teachers, but also we've had this incredible reawakening or for many of us, an awakening. I think that Che and I are almost a little bit privileged because we do work in a very, very diverse community where, um, you know, anti-racist work 
goes a very long way for our students because this is the community that we that we work in. These are the students that we see every day. And I don't know that, you know, in other parts of Canada or other parts of the United States where we don't have such a diverse culture, we have a more homogenous culture, um, we don't have those opportunities. Che and I have those opportunities. And we've been able to implement our learning because our school year goes a little bit longer than others, than, than many of the school years in the United States. States, um, our school year is not yet done. And so we've been able to implement our anti-racism work that we've been wanting to do with our students in the in light of recent events. And we've been able to use that learning for our students and grow in that regard as well. Work we were already doing. When I think yeah. of courageous conversations, I do courageous conversations every Thursday. Yeah. No, we do. We do a lot of this work. And and that's what I speak of that Che and I are embedded in this privilege, in this community. We've, we've had the opportunity to talk about this with our students in the past. This is something that's not new to us. And I think that if you go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts, even you will hear us talk about the inequities that exist in our, in our system and how we are, you know, we have to go through some of these struggles as well to be able to uh, achieve what we want to within education. But yes, the conversations, we've definitely been doing these things as well, which is why I say reawakening. This is our reawakening. But for many teachers, this is an awakening. I agree on many levels. I still, I still, the the, tra- the the events have really still reawakened my eyes to be even more poignant. Yes. But you are right. We are in a in a, in a school where diversity is is prevalent in our um student population but also in our staff mm-hmm. um when we you know we were on the drive this morning we were talking with uh, david hanel and you realize that you sort of again you get you 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 sort of project your experience on everyone where we have a exceptionally diverse um student population but we also have an exceptionally diverse teacher staff population and you start to hear of other people and you realize well wait you 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 have something slightly different. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more. I want to learn more. And so on that anti-racist uh, platform, this is something in our in our area that is daily, all the time. Our Courageous Conversation, we've had uh, Mr. Singleton in. I've done workshops with him for like three days. Our board has flown him in from San Francisco. So I'm comfortable with the pedagogy, the book, and also getting it in, in face-to-face. But that doesn't always mean that it means you're doing it right. Sometimes I, I think for myself that maybe I got slightly complacent because I'd had the training, because I'd read the book, because I was engaging in, I called it Tough Talk Thursdays, that maybe in when all this played out, I started to think maybe I got complacent because I got too comfortable knowing we were already dealing with it, that maybe I wasn't dealing with it enough or wasn't being critical of my, of my pedagogies enough because I felt a certain level of comfortableness because I've been, we've been there in this, you've been in this community since you were born and I've been teaching in this community for 20 years. And sometimes that complacency. That's the same thing, by the way, since I was born and since you've been <laughs> yeah, teaching. Yeah, true. Yes. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. I just uh, wanted to highlight my age. Perfect time to highlight your age. But in terms of um, that practice, when we sort of think about where we're at, it was a reawakening for me because it made me, I, I started to go dive just a little deeper into stuff like the resources, like our, our benchmark literacy resource we use to gauge where our students at. And all of a sudden I started to look through every single story. And then I looked through every single author. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a second. 
retired about the old lady with her dog isn't necessarily something all our students can reflect reflect on. And so I did need, unfortunately, I did need a little reawakening. And yet I'm in a community that's highly diverse. I'm with a staff that's highly diverse. We're very uh, open about the, the idea of courageous conversations with staff meetings and with our kids. And yet still, as a white male, I still need a little reawakening. It's... I think what it is, is we all fall on different parts of the curve, but regardless of where you are on the curve, you get a little bit complacent. You get a little bit used to where you are on that curve. And and this is what needs that little bit of a shakeup once in a while, right? It's like, yes, we, we do work in a very diverse community. We address issues um, differently than other people might address in their all white towns or, you know, their communities where they don't have any diversity at all. And so we are on a daily basis addressing these issues, but these are issues that our students are facing on a day-to-day level anyway, because of the community that they live in, right? So it's not like they come to school and they have all this diversity and then they go home to their all white homes or their all black homes or their all brown homes or whatever it is. Um, everybody is ingrained in the diversity because of the community that we live in. So we almost become used to that. This is this is just what we have uh, become comfortable with. And so the idea of the learning in the past couple of weeks that has happened is becoming uncomfortable with our situations. You know, it's, it's realizing that our students have gotten used to the systemic racism that they face on a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day level. So how do we, you know, strip away the comfort that they've all gotten used to? You know, if you if you took these kids out of this community and put the put them somewhere else where their community didn't look like this, they would be uncomfortable. But right now, where they are, where they grew up, where they were born, they are comfortable. They know what to expect. They don't know anything different. So coming across the news that we see and bringing attention to the to the riots and bringing attention to the protests and bringing attention to all the activism that is happening, these these students might be wondering what is this? Why, why are people doing this right now? Because they don't maybe necessarily live in the same reality that you live in, where you can walk to the store and, and maybe nobody is questioning you. But at the same time, you are also so understanding of the dangers that you face just walking to the store where you don't even second guess it. So it's, it's bringing attention to all of those things that maybe our minds have put aside, which, which tends to happen and bringing those back into the limelight and talking about those things with our students, that has become something that is central, something integral and something that we want to make sure that we include in our teaching all the time and never to lose sight of the fact that our students are not always aware of the systemic racism that exists in everything in every part of our institution. And we have to bring it back to them every single day that we are teaching those students. It's an episode of reflection and and anti-racist education is part of that deep reflection. And one thing we talked about on the drive this morning was that idea of fatigue, um, allyship fatigue. And we want to make sure that doesn't settle in over the summer. And that was my notes for this comeback was uh, after the break was the fear. What's the fear of what's going to dissipate over the summer? And on that anti-racist education is that the gap, the time away might lend ourselves to just 
a little bit of fatigue. And so I want to be very purposeful over the summer in my readings, in my podcast listenings, but also in the in the assigning of my class and then making sure that in my classroom that I really appreciate and, and um, open to perspective and the sort of the unwritten history being told in everything we do, whether it's a math question, whether it's an LA uh, benchmark assignment, what are we saying by how we're asking questions and what examples we're using, etc. And the fear then becomes that the summer is a fatigue a fatigue time, and I'll and I might lose the that. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in there that it's not necessarily just fatigue. Fatigue is a huge part of this, but there's also forgetting. Right. It's fatigue is different. Fatigue is, you know, being um, exhausted from all of the activism, from all of the action that you might be taking. But if it's not in your face all the time, if you're not facing the questions from your students, you may also forget that you need to bring this back to your class. You may also, you know, it, it might be something with 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 all of the passion that it died when it dies down, you may feel like I, I don't have much more to bring to this conversation anymore because I'm not embedded in it anymore. And so when it's not in your face all the time, do you forget to bring it back to the classroom? When somebody's not putting it back to you to be accountable for bringing it to your classroom, are you going to say, well, maybe I don't need to do that? You know, so there is a lot to think about. There is a lot to think about whether you want to keep that conversation going throughout the summer within your Google classroom or, you know, continuing to have optional Google meets with your students to talk about some of these issues um, or, you know, presenting articles to them that might come out over the course of the next couple of months or just bringing that learning to your class. You're going to say, okay, well, the school year is done. So maybe I, I just kind of let it go for the next little while. So that is something that I've definitely been thinking about, you know, where does my responsibility end with this, with my current students? And should I keep the conversation going? Is somebody else going to pick up where I leave off or is, is that my responsibility going forward? So there, there is a lot to think about going into the summer months. A lot of, lots of fear, not yeah. the great panic, just yeah. some fear. And you, we've dove right back into the, the anti-racist education because ultimately that's what's on, uh, that's what's pertinent right now. It's pertinent all the time, but certainly uh, the events have really made it like the focus for everyone at the moment. I gave the example of the gym. I worry about like fear going back to school is like, can I can the, the ultimate irony is that I was afraid to teach gym remotely. Now that I'm teaching gym remotely, I'm like, now I'm afraid if I go back to gym, will I lose some of this SEL component, this debrief component, this really uh, attaching the physicality to uh, academic success, uh, social, emotional well-being. Am I going to lose these opportunities? And even another one on a fear is, now that our school and our board has made this about face on the tech world, what happens when I come back to my school and, of course, the tech's been removed from our school? It's mm-hmm. been sent out. Um, and now more and more teachers are now comfortable with tech. More and more teachers are comfortable with Google Classroom. The demand for tech is going to be even higher. And before we went, my class was getting Chromebooks two periods a week. Yeah. So I got a fear. When we come back, now that I've become so much more comfortable with Google Classroom, and Google Classroom has been a great way to connect with parents, and I've done some great remote gym. What happens now when not only do I come back into my building, but I no longer have access to anywhere near the tech? The demands on our schools now that all the all the teachers have done a lot of self-PD to learn how to use Google Classroom and maximize, now everyone's going to want it. So you know what? Passing a Chromebook or between eight classes just isn't going to cut it anymore. 
No. I'm fearful of that because we don't have the infrastructure. We're, we know if we start sending everyone back to school in September or even a hybrid, we're not sending, our school is depleted of tech. Not only do we not have, we're not even returning to the tech style we had beforehand. We're a depleted tech. Our school's been emptied of all our tech and the infrastructure and, and our board is a huge board to try to collect and, and get all that stuff back. That's going to be a monumental task. So we're now going to go back into our schools with not even what we had tech-wise beforehand, even less so, I'm a little fearful of that. Like all the growing I've done on a personal level to maximize Google Classroom, Jamboard, Flipgrid, those type of things, email communication, and all of a sudden I'm going to go back and, and have access to what? A Chromebook, a set of Chromebooks every once a week for a couple periods, assuming we get them all back because our school's been entirely cleaned out of every bit of tech for all the right reasons. But the infrastructure to try to bring this all back that's a little fearful. That's a little fearful. Like all this personal growth on a, on a teaching pedagogy style. And I realized now I'm going to come back and now is there the infrastructure to maintain that, which was one of our, our comments on that other episode where I was like, Oh, try this resource. It's free for now. Try this resource. It's free for now. Yeah. But what happens when I don't have access to that resource for free? Are you going to pay for it? No, you're not. So I shouldn't have d dived into it anyways. But now even on the basics of Google classroom and access to Chromebooks, I'm going to, I'm fearful of going back to my school and saying, now my kids have no access to Chromebooks or such minimal access to Chromebooks. And not that Chromebooks are the be-all, end-all, but they're, they're a gateway to a certain style of learning and access to learning and archiving of all the lessons and all the units we've done. It's a reference point for kids to come back to. And I'm going to go back to a, a notebook and a pencil. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot to think about. Um, there are definitely a lot of questions in regards to what the distribution of technology is going to look like when we when we go back to class, if we go back to class uh, full time, or whether it's in a hybrid situation. We never had a one to one scenario. We never had a one to one situation. It was very much retroactive where we were one one to forty seven. Yeah, it was it was it was not a good situation, and and I know that this different from place to place in the diff in in the city but uh, within our community and I can only speak to our community because this is our reality and this is what was lived for us um, you know students received their technology from the school weeks weeks into I would say six weeks into online learning so maybe we've had about six weeks um, where students have had technology to be able to use for online learning in this in this past couple of months. Um, and, and now we're looking at a situation where if we have to come back, are students going to be responsible for bringing that technology back to school with them on a day-to-day -day basis so they can use it in class? If we have a hybrid situation and we have, you know, a few kids in class and a few kids at home, is the same teacher responsible for all of those students? Which means, is the learning still happening on Google Classroom? Is this learning still happening in a remote situation on an online platform? And some kids are just choosing to be at school because that's the only option they have and the other kids are at home but they're still learning in the same way are there are there equity issues in that are some kids going to be learning in a much better way are they going to be, be able to pick up more information to no fault of their own but to the fault of their their um, experience and the fault of the things that are happening around them you know, so, are, you know, the students that have the teacher in front of them during the day are, are learning the same content as, as the kids that are at home. But by having the teacher in front of them, are they gaining from that? Are they are they getting more from that teacher, getting more from their education? Are they getting more from their learning? So 
So what do we do about that question? There is, there's definitely an equity issue that needs to be addressed with that as well. Um, so lots of questions. And I know that we both have lots of questions when it comes to what is it going to look like in September? And I know we've been so focused on what's happening right now in our lives and what our teaching looks like in regards to distance learning, in regards to Black Lives Matters, that you know we haven't really had an opportunity to really delve into what is September going to look like? What is it going to look like when we're back in our classrooms or whatever the next school year is like? Um, and, and this is something that we continue to reflect on. So this is something that we sort of chose to talk about a year in review as our episode, but also to think about what are our questions going forward. And I think through this conversation, we've developed so many in this last hour that we didn't have even before we started. 20 years into teaching, and I probably am going to do the most reflecting, pondering, wondering over this summer based on even the remote universe, uh, refocus, reawakening on the anti-racist education, uh, um, a reawakening on tech access, and tech is not a solution to anything, but the remote world has really lent itself to opening up to tech, being aware of tech, connecting to tech, all the... Uh, it's not even so much the tech becomes a star, the the archiving of lessons and all of those things, easy access, great communication to parents, easy jam boards to put up. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm a little bit afraid of going back into, into school because I don't know if my kids will have, which is the same reason I drifted away from uh, Google Classroom. I used Google Classroom more four years ago than I have in the last two or three years just because of this lack of access. And it's becoming... Something to really, I'm worried about. I'm fear, I'm fearful. I don't want to say panic. It's just, it's fearful. It's just something I'm pondering. It's the same way I, if I think about what's the swag bag of the episode. For us, it's that access to technology when we come back because we've all learned so much the value of using our Google Classroom. And I fixate solely on Google Classroom because I personally believe you should really learn to master one's, one resource more so than dabbling with 10 and so maximizing Google Classroom and, and, and the Google Suites has been really important for me. But then I worry about going back to school and not having full access to it anymore. So what was it for? Like, I don't want to lose it. I don't want like all this rich learning for myself and my students and give up on it. The remote learning of the gym. It's not so much that I want to teach gym remotely, but learning how I can connect that to a SEL, that debrief component. I'm a little fearful going back into a 40-minute gym period with middle school kids because it's, it's, it's rush, rush, rush. Um, the refocus on anti-racist education, which isn't so much the courageous conversations because I know those already have happening. It's the diving into the resources. It's the checking how many, the the diversity of all our authors that were representing, the uh, the representation, representation of characters in our stories, et cetera, that we're sharing. These are fears going back next year and uncertainties. And that's my, that's the swag bag from this episode. There's a lot yeah. of uncertainty still, which means for a lot of learning to go on this summer. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that this is a great opportunity for us to sort of, uh, wind down the episode and, uh, you know, it has been a lot of reflection. I know that Che and I, um, started this episode thinking, ah, oh, we'll, we'll see where it goes with the reflections and the review. And we'll talk about things that we've learned in the, in the past year and some of the struggles that we've had. And, and you, this has definitely been a very, very, very monumental year for not just us, but all teachers. But, you know, Che and I have had the added, uh, impact that we've, we started this podcast this year. 
And so we sort of have chronicled everything that we have gone through this past year live or, or, you know, we've recorded everything and we've shared it with everyone as it has happened. And this is, you know, if we were to go back and listen to all of our episodes, I think you would definitely see an evolution of our thought an evolution of, of the conversations that we've been having. And, uh, you know, at times we have had fun with the things that we are doing, but at times we have re- had really difficult conversations and, uh, had, had really deep reflections about what we are doing as teachers and how we are going to be able to make that happen um, and have it grow going forward. And I think a lot of the growth that happens happens within these conversations. We don't script this. We don't say to ourselves, you know, let's, let's talk about topic A, B, C, D, E, and F during this episode. We kind of have a general idea of where we want to go and we have this conversation live with all of you in front of you, in front of each other. And so I think that, um, this helps us reflect. This also helps us develop more questions within ourselves and hopefully more questions within you that we can all reflect on together and, uh, try and come up with some answers together and some strategies and some solutions and some ways that we can make this all work. Because I think as teachers, this is what we do best. We make it work. We make it work for ourselves. We make it work for our students. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. Start spreading the news. news. Remember when the last half of these episodes was like four minutes just to wrap it up? And now it's been 25 minutes. It's become much longer. It's like two episodes in one. This is teaching. This is teacher dialogue. And I love the, this is like a time capsule. Yeah. This is how we're thinking right here, right now. And if we record another episode in 35 minutes, it might be a little different. Yeah. But that means it's not authentic. We got scripted, we got some notes, and we we weave ourselves through the material, and, and then we look at each other, and we give a little eye contact, yeah, I like where we're going here, and it doesn't always follow you a linear path, but that's good, because linear path is just a creation after the fact. Mm-hmm. It's never true, nothing is ever truly linear. We just do that to make it for our own simplicity, and we map it backwards to make a linear path of our thought. But our thought, our conversations here are a little random, but it's a reflection on a year of remote learning, a year of anti-racist education, and those have been the two big pillars. And for us, the third component is this is our year of joining in the podcast community, the, the Twitter community, and those are three big things that have impacted our teaching, which impacting our students, which is impacting our community. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what we want to be is better teachers. Exactly. Not because... necessarily better podcasters. Well, just want to be a better teacher. I don't know if we're good podcasters, but... We have good time. Well, I'm going to go other. write a review on uh, iTunes right now. So I'm going to tell everyone we are. On Apple Podcasts, yes. <laughs> everyone, we really enjoy that you tune in, that you subscribe, that you give us great feedback on Twitter. Truly, the Staff Room Podcast and The Drive is merely, merely, it is a byproduct of all your energy and how well you've accepted us into the podcasting community, the Twitter community. We thank you all endlessly for everything you do for us that gives us the energy and the synergy and ignites our fire to keep podcasting and keep doing our radio show because we like to say it's us but it's not us it's us it's It's all of you and that's our one word for 2020 and i think that's a great place to leave off is talking about us so i'd like everybody to remember that we inspire don't require always be a humble servant and education never dies. dies
You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed, and produced by Che Chaney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.